0: The following podcast contains strong language and discussion of sex. It's in the book.
1: Hello, welcome to It's In The Book, a Queer Bible Podcast. My name is Jay Sylvan. My pronouns are they, them, there. Uh, I am a Unitarian Universalist minister, and I know the Bible pretty well.
0: I'm David Waters. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm a minister for education at King's Chapel, and I know the Bible pretty well as well.
2: I'm Sue Buzzard. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am a lay person who really just knows the hits of the Bible.
1: So the way this show works is I tell a story from the Bible. David and I talk mm. about it and Sue reacts to it because yeah. for the most part, unless there's been a musical about it or something, <laughs> Sue has never heard these before.
2: Yeah. Oh, and I should also say I'm married to Jay. Right. So like that's mm. my, you know, if you're like, why are you here? I'm like, why are well, you I here? Hear About? I hear about well, it all the time. Here, I mean, because and- you're awesome,
0: yeah. can we just <laughs> also <laughs> like, well- stipulate that you're here because you're awesome? Yeah, and also but- you happen to be married to Jay. Previously in the Bible.
1: So Joseph, who was Rachel and Jacob's son, was Jacob's fave. And he had a special dress that he wore that showed his favored status. He also had very transparently metaphorical dreams about all of his family bowing down to him. And told his brothers about them and they fucking hated his life. (laughs) So they hated him so much. (laughs) So one day they were out, all the brothers were out tending the sheep, and Joseph shows up and they throw him into a pit and then they sell him into slavery to some Ishmaelites or some Midianites the reports vary. And then they dip Joseph's special dress in goat blood and show their father, Jacob. And they're like, oh my God, I don't know what happened. We just found this and we had nothing to do with it. So what do you think? And Jacob (laughs) sees the dress and he knows it's Joseph's (laughs) and he's like, no, my favorite son has been eaten by beasts. Uh, And then he's like, you know, I'm going to get on my sackcloth and wailing and I'm just going to, Cry for the rest of my life, and I'm gonna go down in shield mourning for my son. Meanwhile, Joseph is getting sold to a eunuch named Potiphar, who mm. is one of Pharaoh's officials.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where we left off.
2: So excited! Great, great songs come out of all of
1: this in the Andrew Lloyd Webber
2: musical. <laughs> I love it. Well... Great songs come out of all this.
1: Well, I don't actually think Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a song about what we're talking about today, because this is an interlude.
2: Oh, dun, dun, dun. This is,
1: yes. This is not <laughs> about the story of Joseph. This is sort of shoved in there. And it actually go. It, it's sort of like a zoom out, too, because this is a story that takes place over the course of many years. Mm so, okay, but it's all about Judah. Oh, okay. Well, that's important. This is the story about Judah, his daughter-in-law Tamar, and some hijinks that go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's,
0: oh there's, the hijinks! The Bible Love hijinks. the hijinks. <laughs> this is one
1: of my favorite stories, definitely in the Book of Genesis, possibly in all of the Hebrew Bible. And it is one of those that there are generally not a lot of, like, you know, songs written about. Like, there's no veggie tales for this one. I would, <laughs> I would be willing tales. to bet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sue, what do you know about any of this? About Tamar, not David's daughter, but the other Tamar, or about holy sex work in the Bible, or about Judah? Uh,
2: I know less than nothing. All I know is that Judah is a person in the Bible— and is one of joseph's sons right
1: yeah 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 he's the the fourth son of leah yeah and the fourth son of of jacob
2: yeah that's it that's all i know
1: okay so let's get into this judah son of leah Mm -hmm. So remember, Joseph is son of Rachel. Mm -hmm. Judah is a son of Leah. He leaves his brothers, it says. The last thing we saw was them selling Joseph off to, to Potiphar. It says Judah leaves his brothers and takes a wife named Shua, and they have three sons. And their sons' names are Ur, or Er, Onan, and Shelah. As I learned it, Judah, who is the fourth son of Leah and Jacob, is now sort of de facto the firstborn
2: mm-hmm.
1: because Reuben kind of forfeited his spot as the firstborn when he banged his dad's concubine Bilha. Did we miss this? It was in the episode with Dina but it got very overshadowed because of the Dina story. Makes sense. <laughs> it was yeah. like one line and then Simeon and Levi, the next guys in line, forfeited mm-hmm. theirs when they killed a whole town. Mm. oh right right remember that i do because they're trash so now judah's kind of like the guy and this is all sort of corroborated uh, at the end of genesis and we will see so judah got a wife for his firstborn, er 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 is how it's rendered in english so i always say er but like that's kind of like (laughs) (laughs) Er, yeah I kind of just think of like, er, well, and you will see. So Judah got a wife for his firstborn, uh, er, and her name was Tamar. But it said that er was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord killed him. End of sentence?
0: Yes. <laughs> End of sentence. <laughs> you don't need That's to know anything know. else about that. Yep. All you need to know is he's gone. Well, he's... it's funny because Alter is like, yep, yeah, no reasons given. And given the amount of upending of primogenitor that happens in the Bible, especially Genesis, probably no reason needs to be given. All you I need to know need is, to know. <laughs> yeah, he was first and now he's not there anymore. Q... Cue... You know other sons
1: it gives (laughs) us a reason david it gives us a reason the reason is he was evil in the eyes of the lord you're absolutely right (laughs) all
0: right you're absolutely right excuse me i I stay corrected
1: (laughs) judah said to onan after god killed er he says to onan the second born look bang your brother's wife and do your duty to provide offspring for your brother so sue's looking all sorts of ways but hold on we'll get i'll I'll explain all of this don't let my (laughs) face distract you it looks like this most of the time you are talking in this podcast (laughs) most
0: of the time that we are traveling through (laughs) Janet's. go on
1: so Uh, i use the word bang here because this is my favorite euphemism in biblical hebrew for sexual intercourse the the you quote-unquote euphemism is go into have i talked mm. about this before yeah.
2: <laughs> no and I'm glad you haven't because that sounds gross it's just go into <laughs> your brother's
1: wife hmm. so I like to render that bang because to me it feels very like that listen eh. no, that's a visual that, it's a visual nobody what? needs it so um, he's like bang your brother's wife and do your duty to provide offspring to your brothers so what this is is referring to a law in Deuteronomy that says if a married older brother dies his younger brother needs to impregnate Or should, rather, if he's doing his duty, should impregnate his wife and the children, or at least the firstborn, will technically belong to the dead brother in order to continue the firstborn's line.
2: Okay, whatever you need to do. Okay, so that was like
1: (laughs) the way they worked this out. But it says that since Onan knew that the child wouldn't be his... Whenever he banged Tamar, he spoiled his semen on the earth. So he like pulled out or whatever.
2: Oh, okay.
1: It says the Lord was not happy about this. So he killed him too.
2: Nope, nope, (gasps) nope. Can't do it. Lord is like, "Uh, you do not use the rhythm method. When I have a vision, yeah. So, okay? so
1: I will say, right? Like <laughs> that is, it, that's cheating. It, you know how, like,
2: you know how, like, the, the
1: Christians, some of right, some yeah. of them, some of them are like, <laughs> so, oh, you're supposed yeah. to use the rhythm method, <clears throat> and you're <throat> supposed to use natural birth control or whatever yeah. because God's into it. I'm like, clearly, God is not into it. Mm. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. it is literally in the Bible that mm-hmm. God killed a dude for for yeah. pulling out early. Mm-hmm. So. Also, this is where we get the uh, now archaic term onanism, which weirdly was used to mean masturbation. I think,
0: mm-hmm. but not. Yep. But
1: this isn't masturbation. Ooh, this is correct. This is so it is
0: very interesting how this is used to police behavior that right. is not actually what's referenced. So,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, Onan's gone now, too. Great. So both of his older sons are dead now. Uh, both have been banging Tamar. So Judah, like a good patriarchal dick,
2: no, <laughs> thinks that
1: the problem must not have been with his fuckboy sons, but instead with the woman. Uh... And he gets worried that he gives Tamar now to his last son, which he's supposed to. She will curse him somehow, too, and he will die. So his brilliant scheme is he tells Tamar, yeah, so like, Shayla, my last son, he's too young to get married, so why don't you go and live as a widow in your father's house until he gets old enough? Okay, that would be fine, but the thing is Judah has no intention of ever giving him to her. This would totally fuck her over because ostensibly she's a young woman and then she'll have to live as a widow for the rest of her life life, Mm -hmm. and she'll be robbed of the status and lifestyle of a wife and a mother and instead have to live like an old nun or whatever against Mm -hmm. her will.
0: I think it is worth highlighting, right? That it's like, it's not just that she's got to be single, right? It's actually like a a status issue, right? As you point out, right? Like, this is not just like, oh, just park here at your, like to have to go back to your father's house, right?
2: After you've been married, right? Right. I mean, it's a whole...
1: No, that's a, I mean... uh, Are we
2: told how old Tamar is at this point? No, but I would imagine
1: she's, I don't know young woman yeah she, she's a young woman a now. young woman she's got her whole
2: life ahead of her yeah of, yeah.
1: of young marriageable age yeah whatever mm-hmm. that means so she can't do anything about it she goes and lives at her father's house for a while and then a long time later judah's wife shua dies and after he mourns he goes up to timna to have his sheep sheared
2: is that I a get euphemism? The old
0: sheep shear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't think it's a euphemism. <laughs> Dang it! But but wait, but wait. You might be closer. You might be onto something. <laughs> so um, Tamar hears that Judah is in town, and she's like, "Fuck no! It has been years. Sheila is definitely old enough to marry me now," and. That dude, Judah, is dicking me over. So mm. what she does is she takes, it says she takes off her widow's clothes and wraps herself up in veils covering her face. And then she goes and waits by the gates on the way to Timnah. And then when Judah sees her, he thinks that she's a zona. So zona is the same word they used at the end of the Dina story. Should our sister be treated like a whore? Mm. So a lot oh. of people say it means like sex worker. It's often translated as harlot or prostitute or something like that. So it says Judah sees her and he thinks she's a zona because she has covered her face. So maybe that was like part mm. of the uniform. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, <It was laughs> the dress code.
1: It says he does not know she's his daughter-in-law. He doesn't recognize her. And he goes up to her and says, hey, please let me bang you, go into you. And she says, well, what do you give me for sleeping with me? And Judah says, I will send you a kid from my flock. Now, this is very funny in English because of what happens, but (laughs) Mm. the pun doesn't work in Hebrew. So (laughs) so he says, I'll send you a a goat from my flock. Mm. And she's like, hey, I'm no dummy. Give me your staff and seal as collateral until you send it because how am I going to trust you? She's a professional. Mm. So, And he's like, okay. So he gives her her his staff and his seal as collateral and then they do it and it says she gets pregnant, and she goes on her way, and then she takes off her veil and puts back on her widow's outfit.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And
1: then Judah, honest man, he tries to send his friend to her with the goat that he promised, but his friend can't find her anywhere. And he goes around and he asks the locals, hey, where's the Kedisha that hangs out by the gates? And they're like, there isn't one. What are you even talking about? So here it uses the word kedesha instead of zona. uh, And kedesha literally means holy one, but it's also Mm -hmm. another word that is often translated to prostitute or something like that. Mm -hmm. We'll go back and we'll talk about that later. Okay. So. Judah's friend is like I couldn't find her and the locals say she doesn't even exist and Judah is like well I tried to send what I promised but we couldn't find her so just let her keep my staff and stuff and we won't be held in contempt because at at least she's got my staff three months later Judah gets word that his daughter-in-law Tamar has been quote unquote whoring around (gasps) using the word zona zona ing around and is pregnant from her zona ing (laughs) I know. So Judah, like a good patriarchal dick, says, bring her out so she can be burned. Okay. (laughs) But as she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law, Judah, and the message says... I am pregnant by the man who owns these. <laughs> Look <laughs> yeah. familiar. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and she sends him the staff and the seal etc and she's like, "Do you recognize these?
0: <laughs> Remember these? Uh-huh. Did you forget something?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um it's funny because the the phrasing is very similar to when they're like, "Do you recognize your son's cloak to Jacob for Joseph?" So it's oh, you know, so now and and that was Judah to that so now the deceiver has echoes. become deceived. Yeah,
0: I love And this. the kid earlier, right? That so he pays her with a with a kid. Yeah, is also the echo of right the kid that they slaughter the, to, to you
1: mm-hmm. know. So
0: it's all these little echoes in this sort of story. Absolutely. that's Sandwich.
1: So Judah, at that point, to his credit, realizes what has happened, and says, "She is more righteous than I am." After all, I didn't give her to my son, Sheila. And it says then he was never intimate with her again. A little side note telling us that he did mm-hmm. not bang her anymore after that. Uh, By and- the
2: way, he's not into that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then it said when the time came for her to give birth, there were twins in her belly. Oh, just like mm-hmm. Rebecca.
2: Mm-hmm. Remember that? I do now.
1: Uh, And it says, when she was in labor, one put out a hand, one of the babies put out a Mm -hmm. hand, and the midwife tied a red cord to that one to mark that that one came out first. But then it drew back, and the other one came out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sneaky. I mean,
0: it's never going to be the first one. It's It's never never going to be be the first 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 one. You might as well have just kept your hand in there. (laughs) Don't be so eager, okay? Exactly. (laughs) Haven't um, we learned by now?
1: And it says uh, the one that actually came out first and snuck, snuck his way out is called Perez. And the one with the red cord is called Zara. And spoiler, Perez hmm? winds up being the great, great, great plus grandfather of King fucking David, who is a big fucking deal. Bum, bum, bum. So, this is just like Rebecca was the mother of the nation of Israel, of the youngest twin who kind of usurped. Tamar is the mother of the descendant of the king of Israel, who is the youngest twin and kind of usurped. So, it's just like, again, those echoes of the. the, the, the. And it doesn't really say anything else about that, but ostensibly Tamar lives a fine life. The end. Wait,
2: wait, that's it? Uh,
1: that <laughs> is that is the story. Oh. How do you feel about it before we go into some final thoughts? I
2: like it. I like that Tamar was like, man, I got to do something about this. Mm. Because let me tell you, I have zero power in this world. And, you know, I got to try to take things into my own hands if I am going to ever have a life that is not just sad and lonely and miserable and you know without any power and just doing nothing and being totally jerked around and I also like that Judah was an honest dude and was like well shit is my face red
1: we've actually got some character development here
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like (laughs) for the first time in the bible
1: (laughs) so okay final thoughts I'm going to talk a little bit about these words, Zona and Kedeshah. So Zona, again, a word that was used at times for Tamar here, was also the word that the shithead brothers use for Dina at the end of her chapter, where they say, should our sister be treated like a whore? Also, and this is looking forward to the book of Joshua, it's what this character Rahab is called, who helps out some spies who are going into Jericho. And she's a really positive character. Honestly, it is unclear to me if Rahab is actually a sex worker or a like a pub or inn owner or something like that. Uh-huh. So, again, this is part of my question. Could Zona just mean unowned woman? And so, when Judah sees this quote unquote unowned woman, he can just ask her, like, Hey, can I bang you? And she's like, eh, what do you give me? You know, and it's like, you're unowned. I'm going to pay you for this instead of your father, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, not necessarily what we think of, you know, as a prostitute, quote unquote, or a sex worker, you know, in our sort of capitalistic understanding of it, Mm -hmm. right? Just a question. So in that sense, it could include sex workers, but it does not necessarily exclusively refer to sex workers. Mm. Most people disagree with me on that. It's just a thought. Now, Kadesha means literally holy one. And traditionally, interpreters thought that this referred to some sort of sacred temple sex workers in, you know, different cults in the area. However, Jesse DeGrado argued in a 2018 paper that there is no direct evidence for the practice of sacred temple sex work or prostitution in the ancient Near East, and that the word Kedisha may have a multitude of meanings, including both sex worker and temple worker, but it might not be the same role necessarily. Hmm. So maybe you just call a lot of different people holy ones, and there might be a <laughs> prostitute who's a holy one, and a temple worker who's a holy one. Um, Also, this is my favorite, there is a masculine form of this word, kodesh, which was also thought to mean male sex worker, and that is the word translated as sodomite in the King James Version of the Bible. So... <laughs> Hmm. if if you have learned that the bible condemns sodomites the word you might actually be thinking of is holy ones <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I love it. That is my favorite thing. And it also just shows how over the years, people's assumptions, people bring their own stuff to the Bible and they see this and they're like, okay, well, that was a male prostitute and it's talking to men. So uh, it must be the male on male sex that God hates. So I'm going to translate this as sodomite.
2: I feel like way back when we started this podcast, we may have mentioned this book has acted kind of like this enormous game of telephone over the centuries if not then i'm saying it now because that's exactly what i'm thinking i'm like this word got read like this and then it got reread and translated like this by this other culture and these translators and it went on and on and on and on again and it ended up here where it's like we look at that weird and we see this and so that is what it means and it's like but no, like, wait, no, you miss you misheard
1: it. That's not what it is. Right. <laughs> way back, mm. it means you could be holy ones. Do you even know? Right. Ugh. Yeah. And I mean, for instance, like some of the passages, if you read them in the Hebrew, it's like, your daughter shall not be Kodeshah and your son shall not be Kodesh. And if, for instance, if Kodeshah and Kodesh are names for like priests of other or temple workers of other gods, then that means something totally different.
0: One, it speaks to me of the necessity for humility when we're approaching the text. And I've said this before. As we travel along, meanings do accrue, right? So it makes sense to me that as time passes, right, readers and writers and speakers stack meetings on top of one another. So the idea of the Kedisha be having a, something to do with an other yeah. and also this implication of sex work, right, becomes that, that – then they become conflated, right?
1: And to be fair, we are doing the same thing here. We are layering our own shit onto this, but – You've got to acknowledge it. So is everybody else too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so all this – is to say that our notions of sex and gender roles, as well as sex work, do not necessarily translate one to one to the ancient world. I have said this before. Mm. Tamar is referred to here as both a Zona and a and she is seen trading sex, procreative sex, even. So we assume PIV sex, mm. you know, for goods. So at least in this particular case, the terms Kedeshah and Zona seem to be associated with what we would call sex work. And here's the thing, this is portrayed as a good thing. Judah says she is more righteous than I am. It's interesting
0: because what he recognizes is that he's been wrong, right? So what, he, what he's made to realize is that he was in the wrong because at first he does say burn her right? right like yeah so so it's it's not the to be precise it's not that the sex work is intrinsically good in the confines of this story right what's applauded is her ingenuity in Writing the wrong that was done to her which itself is enough of a I feel like big deal in the context of a bible that's a lot of male-centric patriarchal sensibilities right. like he leaves the symbols with her right he leaves the staff and the and the seal with her why because he doesn't want to be embarrassed right he's like I don't want to be a laughing stock, so just let her keep him if yeah. we can't find her like forget about it <laughs> Hopefully, no one will notice. You know, I mean, these two assholes slaughtered an entire <laughs> town, right? Like, right. so it's not a stretch for me to imagine that, like, he could have taken it to the extreme and just said burner anyway, right? Right. right. I, I think you know what we're seeing here is, you know, in the context of this story, is that oh, wait a minute, like, there's an evolution that's happening.
1: You know, and and you said, you know, she's applauded for the ingenuity. Well, another thing she's applauded for is in the narrative mm-hmm. I think that we're supposed to understand is she's applauded for the deception
0: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think
1: that's really interesting especially when we think about you know I read that great book that you told me about David
0: mm, Melissa Garrigan. Yeah. Grant yeah yeah
1: playing the horror, Melissa yeah. Grant and uh you know she has a whole part about how there's this stigma around sex work, and like the sort of stereotype is that there's deception and secrecy mm-hmm. and double lives, and and it's seen as duplicitous. But what she says is that for a sex worker, it is actually just boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And for for self protection,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: uh, just like a therapist or a priest or a doctor might,
0: mm-hmm. might do, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And what she is doing here is is using deception and sex work for Mm self-protection or, you know, and again, in the narrative, this is a positive because Mm -hmm. for the simple fact that Tamar's child winds up continuing the line that eventually results in King David Mm -hmm. and Jesus, if you're into him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which some of us are. Right.
1: (laughs) So her sex work and deception here. Again here is very much a good thing. Ooh. And I'm glad that Judah learns from his bullshit. We don't mm. see a lot of that in the book of Genesis. Mm. Although we see it more and more as it goes on, right? Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. saw we saw Esau sort of learn from his mistakes. We see this happen and as we as we get towards the ends with Joseph and his family there's going to be a lot of mm. reckoning. Mhm. To sum up, regardless of whether Kedusha means sacred temple prostitute or sex worker or something, in this case, Tamar's prostitution is clearly meant to be holy because it corrects the wrong done by Judah and continues the line of Jacob onto David.
2: Wow.
1: Bam. Also, one more thing. Just like the story of hagar in the middle of the abraham story if you remember back when we talked about that how there's sort of this um and now a minor interlude it was a minor interlude but it was it was sandwiched in these mirror image stories basically pointing you right towards hagar oh go back and listen to that if you don't remember but the tamar story here is smack dab in the middle of the early Joseph cycle, Mm -hmm. Joseph being sold down to Egypt, which is a major story in Genesis, which is a major story in the Bible that we keep coming back to over and over. And there are structural aspects relating to the use of clothing uh, and deception, placing the Tamar Event directly in the center, as with Hagar in the Abraham Isaac story. And my friend Jess Pady has a great paper on this showing how through the recurring motifs of clothing changes and deception, Tamar's story is sandwiched by the early Joseph Arc elegantly and clearly and not just shoved in there. Woo, go Jess! Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we say center the stories of the marginalized, right? And we also think, well, the Bible is super patriarchal and only tells the stories of men. And like, quantitatively, quantitatively, how do you say that? Quantitatively, yes. Quantitatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quantitatively is that? I don't
0: it's... know. Quantitatively, yes. I, I think it is quantitatively.
1: Quantitatively, that is true. Hmm. But structurally, at least, it often literally does center the stories of women, uh, and specifically foreign or other women oh my God, it totally
0: does. I think this particular story sounds a liberatory note. And we have to be careful here. I think what this story does for us is speak to us of context. So when you think of that moment where she says, hey, recognize these, right? That recognize, right, is the same as when the sons exactly. deceive, right? So when you follow the echoes, as Jay has encouraged us to do throughout this whole thing, when you follow the echoes, what you realize is, oh, deception is contextual, right? Um, It can either be a bad thing, as in the case of you know these brothers, or it can be a thing that helps you achieve liberation and is creative, right? Um, in both the sense of ingenious and also that it leads to, you know, that it's procreative in this sense, you know. If we but read sensitively, and as we have said before, perhaps queerly, right, we can get at those deeper levels.
1: All right, Sue. Mm. Wrap it up. What do you remember? So
2: Judah had three sons, and the eldest one married Tamar. Um, and then god killed him because he was bad Uh, and then judah was like oh man second son please bang your sister-in-law to make more of the line and he's like okay but it won't really be mine and so he pulls out and he doesn't impregnate her and god's like oh no you don't that's cheating and kills him too (laughs) and then judah's like my sons are cool so the problem must be with this lady Mm -hmm. hey um so my last son is pretty young and you can't really marry him yet so why don't you just go hang out at your dad's house and be a widow for a while you'll be fine and then when he's old enough you'll totally get married and everybody will be fine and she's like okay goes off for years judah totally shafts her Later, later, later. In more
1: ways than one. Hey! Wow. Oh,
2: wow. Judah has to do some, he has to go see a guy about a sheep. Uh, So Tamar hears about this and is like, oh, Judah, you, I'm gonna get you. You can't leave me here to just be a lady that can't do anything with life. And so she dresses herself up and disguises herself and wraps her face in veils and is like, he'll never recognize me. And Judah comes into town, sees her at the gates, and is like, I want to hit that. Goes up and says, uh, hello, may we bang? And she says, what is your price? And he's like, uh, sheep. And she's like, mm, I don't think so. You can't fool me. Give me your thing as collateral. And by thing, I don't mean your penis. I mean that staff. <laughs> he's like, okay. And then they bang. She gets pregnant. Later, he's like, hey, I got to pay this uh, lady that I banged for banging. Um, Buddy, go into the town and-, and see if you can find this person that I banged. And he goes in and he's like, hey, where's that uh, that holy one that used to hang out by the gate? And they're like, nobody's ever been at that gate. <laughs>
1: that gate's been closed for 40 years.
2: <laughs> Thank you, that's where else I was going. Um, uh, But his buddy comes in and is like, hey, where's that holy one that used to hang out by the gate? And there's like, Psh, there's a holy one who hangs out at that gate. And he's like, uh-oh. And he's like, Look. Judah is like, eh, well, I tried to pay her, but I guess it didn't happen. And then later Tamar gets is like, super with child and people get word back to judah where it gets back to judah judah's like what you got banged this is totally lame you weren't supposed to do that kill her and he's like and she's like okay but before you do here's a little package and um <laughs> so the dad of my kid is the former owner of these things spoiler alert it's you um <laughs> he's like well shit you got me uh, don't kill her, and you know what? You're okay, Tamar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they all lived
2: happily ever after, and Tamar Aww. had twins, and one of them would go on to be the descendant of King David and ultimately Jesus, which I think is actually really super cool. It's kind of racking, I'm kind of really yeah, thinking I mean... that this story here at this moment, with all of its content, with the holy sex work, connects to
1: Jesus Christ. She's listed in the genealogy in the New Testament.
2: Mm. Well, cheers to you, Tamar, for demonstrating excellent fortitude and use of your resources and skills the best way you can.
1: It's in the- if they did a Veggie Tales of this story, what vegetable <laughs> if they did
0: a veggie do tale. you think? <laughs> would
1: you th- what veggie, what veggie <laughs> would Tamar be represented as? I was mm. thinking sharp... Crisp,
0: maybe she'd be a Rock kohlrabi. Choy? I don't
1: know.
2: Kohlrabi.
1: Kohlrabi.
2: Kohlrabi. Gross. Wow, David. How oh, wow, like, Did about like, oh, wow. what like, like listen, I mean, listen, uh, David.
0: Look, the kohlrabi like- doesn't need me to defend it. I'm just like, it's we were talking about others, right? And like, okay. the, it's like the it's sort of a weird, like alien looking fruit, but yeah. then like when you peel it, it's crispy and that deli- you were like crispy and delicious. And a kohlrabi
2: is
1: crispy right. and delicious. All right. David,
2: you are allowed to have an opinion about the
0: kohlrabi. <laughs> I am just going to tell you for
2: months and months and months on end, we got a Boston Organics box that was just like, oh. whatever vegetables you got. And they're like, uh, we got kohlrabi. Kohlrabi and wow. Jerusalem
0: artichokes okay.
1: and I was all like, winter long in That's Boston. Funny. Like,
0: oh. I'm going to tell you, like, before Blue Apron, I never encountered a kohlrabi at all. So I find it very interesting that this, like, Co op was just sending you oodles and oodles of karabi, you know. That's yeah,
1: because I think that you know why, too. David. You know why you've never heard of it because it sucks. <laughs> 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 and nobody wants it, and the only people who that get it so are funny. the people who like signed up for the Boston Organics Dogma mm. Box, which was all local produce uh-huh. with no like substitutions.
0: Yeah, and all
1: winter, all you could get was kohlrabi
0: mm. Next time on It's in the Book, the rise and fall and rise of Joseph.
1: Hello, hello, Jay here. Thank you, as always, for listening. This was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done, if you couldn't tell from me railroading everything and getting really nerdy with all of my sex-working conjectures. We mentioned it briefly, but I owe a lot this episode to the slim tome Playing the Whore, The Work of Sex Work by Melissa Girard Grant. I highly recommend that book to anyone interested in understanding the nuances of modern sex work as well as the history and stigma. Aside from that, just a quick reminder to please rate, review, and share this podcast with anyone who you think might get something of value out of it. As always, thank you so much to my Patreon supporters. We've been having a great time at our monthly Bible studies. You can check out patreon.com slash jsylvan if you're interested in joining us. Finally, you can follow me on Instagram at j.sylvan.themself. And I will see you next time. Bye.